You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Hi, this is Cards and Cubes, and we're recording from SaltCon, end of summer 2021. Uh, I'm Christo. I'm Trevor. And we have... An audience of 9 million people. 9 million people, and... uh, and and uh, and a couple a couple of people from the innkeeper's table uh, podcast, or is it a podcast, or is it a board game cafe? That's the dream. So they have a dream of a board game cafe, but it's a podcast for now. Uh, speaking of which, we all have dreams. I've, I've I've thought about a lot of things throughout the years, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, games that we. Haven't played from the library, but we would like to play from the library. SaltCon library. The SaltCon library in oh, particular. Uh, local uh, library. But yeah, we can just kind of maybe uh, have a talk with uh, our fellow podcast about games that maybe they haven't played or they might enjoy playing from the library or I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I think we could probably have them on. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Yep. Actually, maybe I should hand the mic over there and uh, have them introduce themselves. So, yeah, just uh, go ahead and you can maybe say a few words about what you guys are about. And yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm Bill Giles and uh, Dylan Maltby. Yep, that's me. And we host the the Innkeeper's Table. It's a quick bite-sized podcast, just focusing on single topics and just for people who want to learn more about board games. Yeah, we, we drop episodes weekly. They're about 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, like Bill said, we just pick one topic and chat about it for a little while each week. Yep. Nice. Well, we, we drop episodes every other week and they are not 15 minutes. <laughs> yep. As probably some of you who listen to us have noticed, uh, we can go on for a while. So, but this should be a short one because we have a tournament coming in here, and somebody's got this room out. And yes, that's that's what I mean. So, yeah. So, uh, Risto, you had a little something you wanted to bring up. Uh, we had an incident. Nobody was injured. Maybe some feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I was gonna say is, uh, I think you haven't lived or experienced SaltCon until you've traded a co-worker's game in the math trade. You guys know what the math trade is, right? Yeah. So the situation, actually, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds because the, this co-worker has been giving me a lot of unlocks. Like he's been like flooding me with unlocks because what he does is he purchases all of them and he just gives them to me to play. And then I give them to someone else that it's like a, a chain that goes between three people. So I kind of got mixed in with uh, which unlock was mine and which was his. So I ended up listing and trading one of his unlocks so i like emergency called him yesterday because when i realized that i was like sorting my games for the math trade uh and i was like yeah i need to purchase your unlock if you don't mind and he i was lucky that he agreed so uh there's (laughs) there happened to be the one that uh was missing no no that's the good thing is uh, i wouldn't probably math trade the missing components game uh, we had a problem with uh, manufacturing, just like missing parts of an unlock. It's a legit unlock that works. That was, so, that was yeah. disappointing we, to uh, open that unlock and find that not one, but two essential papers were missing. Yep. So we just couldn't play them. Do you guys participate in, in a math trade, by the way? Um, and like, do you play unlocks or what kind of games do you trade or have you traded this year? I guess 
So yeah, I, I participate in the math trade at SaltCon every year. Um, I had about I, I put about eleven games up for trade this year. About four of them actually did trade. Uh, I've already picked them all up though, so that's good. Sometimes it can be a little stressful if you, you keep checking the table and the game that you got hasn't been uh, laid out there yet. Um, Bill, you have participated in the past, right? I have not actually. I'm more of a hoarder, and to to participate in the math trade, <laughs> I you think Christo can relate, <laughs> and so it's. I, I'm trying to build a collection. Like like I mentioned, the dream is to eventually have a board game cafe. And so I'm kind of trying to build a library that would work for that. And so not a lot of games leave the collection because I'm trying to build and build and build and build. But we did do an episode about math trades about a month ago. So if anybody yeah. has any questions about what they are or how they work, um, we kind of go over that. Just talk about it for a little while. Basically, just put a bunch of games into a list, crunch the numbers, and... Yeah, maximum trades possible. Uh, funny thing is, I think we did one as well. Uh, it was a while ago, but yeah, uh, kind of an interesting history. Like we went through like the history of the, the the trades, the engine that runs them, and it's gone through a few iterations. Like over the years, like two thousand one is when the first one was, or something, or two. Anyway, interesting, interesting stuff. But yeah, I can definitely relate to uh, hoarding games. Actually, I was I usually laugh at those people, or I used to uh, that like push carts into the convention with boxes. But I'm like, yeah, I should probably start thinking about actually yeah, you, doing this next year. You, you prefer to just have me carry your game. <laughs> yeah. No, Trevor ended up helping me out. But yeah, I had like uh, 11 trades with like big boxes and like 11 games coming in and out. And it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's almost like moving or something. Uh, it's what it feels like uh, going to SaltCon anymore. You all need to teach me your ways because not all. It's, it's crazy to me that not only can you trade your games, but you trade games that are not yours <laughs> yeah that's 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 when you're really professional yeah, you're pro level <laughs> you trade other people's games because yeah, i i've only tried in two math trades and i'm at a bagel right I'm, now i've not gotten a single game through. i'm i'm working up to the level where i'm the only user in the math trade and the algorithm just trades my own games yeah. for me <laughs> I was actually I was actually joking with some friends earlier that I think that Risto actually hacks the algorithm so that his games get traded. No, I think it's optimized for the highest number of trades is what they they optimize for. So that because you can't you can't care about value. They have like experimental value, but there's no value to the thing. So I think it's just like most trades. But yeah, math trades are fun. I actually recommend it. It's a good time and. Uh, I've seen the games which did not get traded in the flea market and now in the room there. So you see the games like three times if you care Target about looking sale. at games. Yep. yep. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, enough about trading your games and other people's games. Remind me not to lend you. <laughs> yeah, it, it might uh, get traded. <laughs> so how did how did you go about making your list for today, Harista? The, uh, uh, the Saltcon library. My list for today, I actually went through like all the games in the Saltcon library. Uh, that uh, that's kind of insane. Going through a lot of lists in board gaming in general, like I feel like you go through a lot of lists, and uh, the board game library I think has like well has seven pages. I remember that. Can't remember is it a hundred games per page or something? I think it's like fourteen hundred games now in the yeah, well, collection. Maybe two hundred. I thought it was like two or three hundred. Maybe it's two fifty per page or something. Because yeah. I remember clicking through seven pages of like titles of games and I've played a lot of them. So the games I was actually thinking about uh, talking about are very obscure. Um, I've played a lot of the popular games. Clearly you should probably kind of like sort it by popularity and play the 
good games if you haven't played the good games but i'll talk about some i'll talk about some weird games or just (laughs) that's yeah that's how i made my list okay yeah i just looked through uh the list and anything that jumped out that i hadn't played and that's how i did it uh cool so we'll go through our top three and then we'll invite our friends from the innkeepers table to kind of talk about maybe some games they're excited to play this salt con Want to kick us off, Risto? Uh, actually, you'll go ahead. I need a minute here. <laughs> so Risto's still making his list, by the way. Yeah, uh, actually, I had another Wait, incident. That a list of like 17 or 18? Uh, and, and that, I had another incident where I didn't copy a file uh, from my flash drive, so my flash drive doesn't plug into my phone. So anyway, uh, lots of chaos, this SaltCon. But I have a kind of a record here, so I can kind of piece yeah. together, but go ahead, yeah. Number three. All right. Well, there's nothing more exciting than dirt, bugs, and pheromone trails. Mm. Worms? One, one, yes. Merms <laughs> or mermies. This is a game I haven't played yet, but uh, basically, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about the game except that the actions uh, you do is basically you kind of like acquire these worker type uh, meeple looking things or, or, or cylinders and then you just allocate them within your ant hill to do certain actions to get more ants to then send up above into this grove area where you can uh, put out your pheromone trails and attract all the other ants uh, collect resources I guess and then just make your colony the coolest uh, I think it's a pretty unique theme I don't know if I've ever played another game about bugs strictly can you think of any other games that are strict, strictly about bugs? Hive. Hive. I have played Hive. Yeah, they're saying Hive. Um, I can think of a lot of games about bugs. Actually, like Bees, there's a lot of games about bees. Okay, stop Recently, like there's like bugs, Queens bug or something. Um, also, yeah, there's a bunch of games about bees. Actually, there's a game called Waggle Dance that hardly anyone has ever played, which is a really old game from England. I like it. It's kind of yeah. simple, like I guess dice, I was dice placement more game. More in the vein of like larger. I didn't think of smaller abstract type games like uh, uh, bees and, and hive. And yeah, yeah uh, there are bugs. We recently I played another. Corrected. We recently played another one where you like move forward or turn left or something. Yeah, no, you have to. You have to turn. I can't remember what that game game, game was called, but it was about bees. It's called you have to turn. You can't go straight. I remember. Yeah, it. I remember it being very frustrating because you can't go straight. You have to think about turn and then move. Uh, but anyway, kind of an abstract <laughs> game. Anyway, that's my number three. Have you played that one? <laughs> Yes, I actually have played that one. I don't know. We can ask our audience here. Uh, have you guys played Morms or any other insect games, I guess, that you guys... <laughs> um, I haven't played Mermies, but I've heard that it's really good. I've, I've, I've heard a favorable review from it. Another game that has insects in it that I've played, though, is called Echidna Shuffle. We played that last year at SaltCon, actually. Uh, I didn't even know what an echidna was until I played this game, but it is... It's not my favorite game mechanics-wise, but it is like the cutest game set up on the table. Is it in the SaltCon library? It, it's in the Play to Win library. I don't oh, know if they have a copy in the SaltCon library or not, but it is in the Play to Win for sure. Um, but yeah, you, you've got like, I think your ants and you're riding around on these echidnas, which are like little insect. Yeah, they look kind of like porcupines and they crawl around and you're trying to get, you're trying to get to certain parts on the board, but you know, other echidnas will block you and the other players are trying to stop you from getting there while they're also trying to get to their goals. So that's kind of a fun one. How about you, Bill? 
Um, of course, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. I know that there's one. It's like I the know hun- the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> there's one about like honeybees or something that's sort of making the rounds right now. Um, I can't remember what it's called though. It's got like oh, a really, light. really light. It made me think of Winnie the Pooh. I yes, think I, yes, yes. I know what I can't remember I what it's called about. off the top of my head. Um, and then Mariposas is one that I keep hearing about that I haven't played. It's about butterflies. So, but that's all I know about but it. Not dirt. But no dirt. no dirt. No. And no pheromone trails. All right. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about insects because my number three, I, I'm actually going to kind of cheat, to be honest, but whatever. I don't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. So number three is actually like three games. <laughs> uh, but you'll see, you'll understand why it's a cheat because it's uh, Indian Summer Cottage Garden and what's the third one? Gosh, wow. Spring Metal. Spring Metal. That's uh, a trilogy, which is basically the same game kind of over and over with some slight variations. I feel like it might as well have been the same game with like modules almost by Uwe, I think, Uwe Rosenberg. Yeah, I think they're Uwe Rosenberg games. Um, I wanted to check them out, but I kind of didn't want to commit to buying three games at like $40 each or something when they came out for almost the same game. They're all polyomino games, similar to like Patchwork or Tetris. I guess that's polyominoes. And uh, they have like just slightly different variations, but very, very similar vibe. Like usually there's a circle of pieces, you draft pieces, you put them on your board and you score for filling up your board generally or just covering particular spaces with particular shapes or whatever. But I've wanted to play all three of them uh, and that's just hasn't happened throughout the years and i keep delaying it and maybe it's going to happen this year maybe at least one is my goal maybe they're all just recycled into new york zoo <laughs> that's the fourth one and that's <laughs> just ridiculous and i did play new york zoo though oddly enough because someone else bought it i actually didn't like it that much but i think i would like the other ones better because new york zoo is just a little Amazing. weird. I don't know. Uh, animal breeding for some reason doesn't like do it for me. And when Uwe does animal oh, breeding, like for for some reason it's like, huh? I'm glad animal breeding doesn't do it for you. <laughs> but this is a family podcast, Trevor. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so that's the cheat. Uh, Uwe's uh, polyomino unofficial trilogy. It might as well have been called the polyomino trilogy. I feel because that's what it is. Yeah, I haven't played any of them. So if you buy them, uh, we should play them. You should buy them. Well, the point is to not buy them and play them out of the SaltCon library. Them in the game swap room, actually, the the bargain discount room. No, I don't think so. Sad. Number two. All right. Uh, My number two for today is about a city so nice they named it twice. You know what city that is. Oh, wow. Bora Bora. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there's a little bit of backstory here. This is a Steffen Feld game. Um, I got tricked into playing Merlin as my first Steffen Feld game. (laughs) That's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, Trevor's not super uh, old, I guess, into board games. And yeah, his first uh, game was Merlin, which is very questionable design from... <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's roll and move, which you know I just don't enjoy in particular. And and then the next Stefan Feld game I played was Coca-Pelli, 
which is also just this weird that, that's even a more questionable design from stefan feld so yeah. yes so like i you know I, I for whatever reason i just hadn't played stefan feld games over the years but, and but, but i think the next one was bonfire which i yes. think is a really solid Bonfire's design so run, yeah so yeah I so i for for a for a little while there i was like what are you guys smoking? Stefan Feld is not that good. Why does everybody love his games? So then I played Bonfire, and then I recently played Trajan, and I yeah, just yeah, picked Trajan's up a copy awesome. of Carpe Diem. So I'm like, I'm 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 on board now. And so I was looking at uh, Stefan Feld games in the library, and you know, there's a couple, but Bora Bora kind of stood out to me um, because I I generally like uh, games with dice placement. Dice drafting is also a lot of fun, but this isn't dra drafting. Um, I like the the way those games typically work, so I'm interested to see what Stefan Feld did with them. So there's sort of maybe an area controlled slash maybe network type aspect to this game. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it except that I watched a review, but it looks cool and I want to play it. Bora Bora. Not New York. I have played Bora Bora. Uh, how do you guys feel about Stefan Feld games? I think from the nodding, you seem to like them quite a bit. Yeah, I'm a Castles of Burgundy fan myself, um, but this might be a little bit odd. I also really like Aquasphere, which is not one of his more popular titles, um, but um, it was one of the, I think it's because it's one of the first Stefan Feld games that I played. And um, I actually learned it when I was volunteering for SaltCon a few years ago, and it was at the hot games table. And so I got to teach it to several groups that at that convention. And for whatever reason, it just really resonated with me. So those are probably my two favorite Felds. Bill, do you like Stefan Feld? So I'm embarrassed to say Stefan Feld is actually a gaping hole in my, <laughs> in my board game. You pride. should play Merlin first. <laughs> <laughs> After that endorsement, I, I I'm, I'm looking and, for and it. And then Coca-Pelli. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But no, um, I just I, I do own Castles of Burgundy. I've never gotten it to the table. Um, he, he's one who I want to explore. I just it's a it's a gap that I've got. Uh, yeah, I like Stefan Feld. Actually, Castles of Burgundy, I wasn't super crazy about. Uh, my favorite game from him is actually probably Bora Bora. Uh, out of all of them, I think Trajan's pretty good, but like it's a little like mechanical and just kind of. I mean, all of his games are a little bit mechanical, and that's kind of the point. Bonfire is really good as well. I was surprised how like good Bonfire is, but yeah, I generally like his games just fine. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. Yeah, I knew you liked Bora Bora, so I think there's a. I knew there's a high probability that I'd actually get. To yeah, yeah, we'll play it sometime. I just need to. Unfortunately, the other thing is you, you always have to review the rules for his games for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, also the setup is like half the game. I feel like his his games always have like a very procedural setup, and it feels like you're almost playing the game while you're setting up the game. So it's like it's it's a little weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, my number two is a single game. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've, we're, I've, we're off I've, in the right direction. <laughs> I've achieved uh, the goal there. The goal has been achieved by Hacienda. Uh, this game I've just kind of ignored previously, but it's getting a second edition, actually, which is also what prompted me to kind of be interested in playing it. I actually read the rules for it today. Uh, we just need to find people to play it with. It's a Wolfgang Kramer game from like 2006 or something. A pretty old game, actually, which... Uh, um, I like older games. They're not a problem for me. Uh, some of them are, have not aged well, but some of them have aged well. And this one has uh, one of the f 
not very common mechanics nowadays, which is like a kind of very enclosure and like network building with tiles on a board, kind of geometric shapes and stuff. I feel like those games kind of went away over the years and now it's all about like deck building, worker placements, like engine running, resource conversion games. I feel like the like abstract like style games with like geometric shapes kind of don't happen as much anymore and that is one of them so i'm kind of curious to see how it is and also wolfgang kramer uh i like him as a designer they've had a few like not so great games lately well uh keesling and kramer um is this one this isn't the keesling kramer it's just kramer it's not without keesling so like half <laughs> Half, half, half the duo that usually releases games uh, but i'm just curious also i want to check it out because there's second edition coming so is it worth picking up but i think i'm gonna like it because i like those kind of weirder games so i don't know if you know anything about hacienda or well you know stuff about wolfgang kramer at least i think no i saw you walking around holding hacienda today yep that's all i know about it <laughs> yeah uh how do you guys feel about older games in general and do you like older games do you think like the new designs are like better and you should throw away all your old games or anything like that honestly i think there's a place for all of them everywhere because it um one of the benefits of the new that the newer games have is uh there's a saying the only reason i can see far is because i stand on the shoulders of giants and that's sort of why there's a lot of really good new games coming out now. But the old games still hold a lot of charm. There's a reason that they've lasted. There is a reason they're called classics. I mean, I played, um, I think it was Ticket to Ride just a, you know, a couple, a uh, couple weeks ago. And it was just like, this is still a great game. A lot of fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's not brand new. It's not shattering any expectations, but it's a solid game. So. Well, and for me, I think that the phrase old game is so subjective and skewed in our hobby because, you know, somebody will say, oh, that game came out in, you know, 2017. That's an old That's game. Ancient. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's even talking about that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, what, what is old? Is five years old, 10, 20, more? Um, I think it's probably relative to kind of when you got into the hobby, right? Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, so for old games, yes, I, I like them. And as Bill said, I, I think that it's important to remember the time when they came out, right? Because so often we'll play an old game and we'll judge it by today's standards. But, you know, if, if you think about the, the what was going on in the industry when it was released, a lot of these games were cutting edge, even if maybe they're not today. Yeah. I often get excited to play games that look just beige and dry and crusty and that yep. happens to be a lot of quote older games from you know like early 2000s even the 1990s like one of my favorite games of of, of speaking of kramer keesling is to call i don't even game. remember that's keesling and kramer but yeah, it, I yes think, it is i think that was 1990 99 i think i think it's 99 technically yeah. released it's like oh. spiel des Jahres. i think it won in 99 if i remember correctly yeah, so it's, it's wild. So I, I, it doesn't turn me off again. What what turns me off of older games? If if there's a newer game that I don't know, make is more fun to play and like iterates on the system in a way that's more interesting. Because there there are some games that don't age well just because like the you know the the mechanics have been been uh, innovated on with with iteration. But that doesn't make the old game bad. It's just maybe it's more fun to play uh, newer iterations of the systems. Yep. I like older games a lot, and I don't think 
Uh, but I think actually mechanics kind of go out of fashion and I kind of sometimes crave the older feeling mechanics and feel of the game. And that's, I think, part of the charm is like, they don't make them like this anymore. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Uh, a lot of people are like, yours games are always better. And yeah, it's a little ridiculous that like said 2017 sometimes is considered old, but I've heard like board game stores, like once it's past two years, I think they'd like kind of don't restock or they consider it like old stock or something is that, that was reading something about how people mark games as older um so yeah yep number one all right my number one is from gray fox games deception murder in hong kong you've probably played that one though yeah (laughs) and also i can't see that being your number one no so the game's called after the empire Oh yeah. Um, I'm even. I would. I'm even a little surprised at myself that I have this on my list because. So the last game I played out of this out of this publisher was Reavers of Midgard, which I thought was going to be awesome and which I did not like. <laughs> um, and so I thought that this was going to be maybe just like an, an iteration of like the next step in that series of games. But I'm actually kind of excited about this one. It's a, it's got uh, what appears to be fairly simple worker placement where you're gathering resources and maybe hiring mercenaries and things to do the interesting part of the game, which is defend an actual castle that you're building with 3D plastic parts. <laughs> it just seems cool. So you, I think you start the game with like four walls, wooden walls. And over the course of the game, you can stock those walls with mercenaries and soldiers, uh, all cubes, I think, unless you have the deluxe version. Did they make them wooden because they were plastic, if I remember correctly? I don't know. Uh, I haven't actually opened the game yet. The video. Oh, you like have it. it. Okay, nice. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have it. Oh, okay. I, I saw it on the shelf today. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, this is about the library, not my library. <laughs> I see, I see, yeah. I didn't even realize that's in the board game library. Yeah, that's a pretty new uh, game, actually. Yeah, and that I am just now realizing, I think I've suggested three games that are really difficult to get, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it, so the, this castle, I think, so you're going to be stocking with like mercenaries and your own soldiers. Uh, you can upgrade it to stone and you can add turrets on each of the four corners. And then like e- each round, I think you're just like preparing for an onslaught that's going to come in and attack your um, your castle. And so I think, it, I, I don't even know how you win. I think it's just whoever has the most money at the end of the game wins. And you just try to survive the onslaught and be the coolest castle. And that sounds like fun. This game was actually at SaltCon a couple of years ago as a playtest, and it's been in development for quite a while. I don't know if you guys heard about it as well. I actually saw the demo, and yeah, they had like prototype 3D printed castle wall components, and it looked really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in that game as well, actually. So I'm looking forward to it. Should play it. Hopefully it's not too long, though. I don't know how, how long it takes. Don't worry, don't worry about it. It takes, <laughs> it takes what it takes. Yeah. I, I had colonists on my list. It's not my number one, but that's like Speaking a... Speaking of how long rid- it takes. That's a ridiculously long engine building game. It's just an idea. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. Colonist is a ridiculous game. Anyway, uh, my number one actually is another cheat. So, you shouldn't be surprised. And it's like a double cheat because I actually played these games today. But they were looking forward to yesterday. And that's the Spiel des Jahres releases. Uh, Palio and Micro Macro Crime City. Uh, those are the Micro ones. Micro Macro, where's Waldo? Micro Macro, where's Waldo? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're fun. 
I think micro macro is they kind of they're kind of what I expected actually. Very light games. I'm uh, always surprised that Spiel des Jahres lately. I feel like they like we've talked before. They've gone like really downhill as far as like complexity. They used to pick comp- more complex games. Now it's like really kind of simple games, and uh, they're fun though. They're kind of tend towards cooperative games as well, which they're both cooperative and. Um, I was really interested in them and we got to play them. So that's pretty fun. I don't think I will be buying micro macro at least. Palio, there's a second edition coming. So think, thinking about it. Yeah, they, it was kind of a, a weird thing because the rule book is not great and they redesigned some components of the game, which were like overdone or something. And they clarified some icons on cards. So there's already a second edition and it's only in Europe, but maybe it's coming to the US. So it's, it's a little, <laughs> actually, it's a little weird. Yeah. I actually can see why there'd be a second edition because I have not pay- played Paleo, but I tried to play Paleo <laughs> today. I sat down with a friend and we tried to just set the game up so yep. that when Risto would get there he could teach us and we couldn't we couldn't set the game up because the, the rules were really really unclear yeah there's two rule books and one of them is the setup rule book but you use both rule books at the same time to set up and it's like a modular setup and yeah we played like two games wrong basically for a for such a simple game i think it's kind of a problem they should really clean that up and i think that's one thing that they changed so i'm wondering if it's gonna show up in the u.s kind of still waiting for it i think it's a cool game basically they're like a uh, micro macro is like trevor saying basically where Waldo, you just like open a huge map and you start looking for these tiny people. It's actually really cool. Uh, you kind of build a story of like there's crimes happening and you're trying to solve a case. Uh, Palio, as you try to take your tribe through just survival, they experience events and you have to deal with them using like icons to like. Uh, hunt animals or evade rock falls or collect uh, rocks and you're just trying to get victory points to take your tribe to the winning condition or something so yeah i I had fun with them i don't know you only played micro macro actually what did you think about it really quick um it's really cool um but i think the novelty kind of wears off yes um because so we did the i only played it twice i did the intro scenario which is just basically <laughs> like the, the rule book solves it for you yep. i think is what happens and then we said uh forget about this we're just going to do the hardest one so we picked the very last one in the book and there was some challenge to it and i, I think the neatest thing is that it it, it combines where's waldo with some intuition and and um you know, not necessarily problem solving, but just like ability to make connections where you don't have any text. You're just relying on tracing pictures. And the funny thing about it is that the the, the map is kind of like uh, a circular flat timeline because everything is on the map. It's like time travel. Yeah, it's you time can travel. see the person's snapshots in different times. So yeah. events you can trace what happened to them throughout time. Yes. Yeah, so. Th- Everything that happened in the time frame in which all these crimes occurred um, is all present on the map. So I thought that was kind of cool to solve problems. Yep. What um, do you What do you guys think about Spiel des Jahres? And are you excited about those kind of games? Do you know what Spiel des Jahres is? And like, do you follow that stuff? And yeah, do you care about any of that like hype around? I know those games like get really huge amounts of hype after they win and they sell out and like you can't find them in stock anywhere. Yeah, so we're familiar with the Spiel des Jahres. We, we actually, that was one of the topics we covered, I think, last year. Uh, we talked about the Spiel des Jahres. Uh, you mentioned that in recent years, they've kind of been getting less complicated, and I tend to enjoy more of the meaty strategy type games. So I haven't played any of the nominees from this year. Um, 
But I do look, the same group that does the Spiel des Jahres also does the Kenner Spiel, which are like the strategy game of the year. Um, so although those are not always super complicated either, sometimes those are really simple also. Was it Paleo Kenner? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say Palio is actually the Kenner Spiel. So <laughs> Micro Macro is the Spiel. Palio is the Kenner Spiel. And it's like a super advanced game of like co-op, pretty light stuff. But that's the funny thing is we kept, uh, we also talked about it. I think uh, on the recommended list, there was Underwater Cities or something this year. So it's like, or Barrage, sorry, Barrage. So it's like Palio, Barrage, like the way it is, you know, could quite... Quite different, if you know what I mean, but Palio won, so Barrage is not not that cool, I guess. Uh, but we really like Barrage, so yeah, that's kind of, they just kind of go with, I think, easy to learn rules um, and just kind of easy to play game for a mass number of people, just popularity. Yeah, for whatever reason, the, um, the Spiel des Spiel games didn't grab my interest this year. Um, I actually did have a lot of interest caught by the uh, the Dice Tower Awards this year, so there were a couple of those that actually grabbed my attention. Lost Ruins of Arnak, which you mentioned, um, and then The Crew is or is another one that I just keep hearing over and over and over. Uh, the Crew was actually last year's Kennerspiel, which was another like slap to the Kennerspiel name because like how <laughs> how Kennerspiel is the Crew really? It's like uh, I mean right. there is definitely strategy and stuff to think about, but like Kennerspiel the Crew. But anyway, yeah, I really like the Crew. Actually, I've played it on like Board Game Arena a bunch of times. Actually, it's crazy. Uh, I've played like hundreds of games of it. But yeah, uh, it's the Crew is a cool game though. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the ones that have kind of caught my attention more just because like Lost Ruins of Arnak swept anything that it was nominated for in, in the Dice Tower Awards, and so did the crew. If, if either of them were nominated, they pretty much won. It got shafted so. in the spiel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Actually, I will, I will say my favorite experience with Micro Macro was um, as you're trying to like solve the mystery of this crime that happened, you're just stumbling upon like all sorts uh, of other uh, murders oh, yeah. that yeah. are going on also, on the map. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of which, I don't know if your case had like mature elements, but I thought the game was like a family game, but oh, no, no, it's not, not a family game. Not There's like some really weird stuff happening in the city, I should say. Like, it's like really R-rated. Like, uh, anyway, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was like, what the heck is I'm gonna, this? I'm going to do one mini spoiler because I don't know what it relates to at all, so I'm not spoiling anything because I don't know what it is. But there's like two anime pretty close to each other of some person apparently having like broken a beer bottle and stabbed the other person with yep. it and then they're dragging the body away <laughs> yeah yeah no it, that's the most hilarious thing it looks like a family game and you're totally expecting like some like lightweight family game but there's like some serious like crimes yeah. happening yeah. in that city so there's yeah a, anyway. there's a lot of funny things to just oh. stumble on you're, you're, you're tracing like where did this person come from like oh there's another dead dude just lying in the street uh speaking of <laughs> dice tower awards actually we talked about golden geek i think which is the board game geek awards i think those are always really solid because they capture really i think the more popular like really good games and they have so many categories that if you want to find heavy games you'll find heavy games yeah, there dice, i think dice tower and the golden geek are really going to be people's choice yeah yeah which is i think more representative like the mass appeal of really popular i don't know if they're always the best but like you can find heavier games there and better choices i think more representative I, I think of popular tower- choice decisions are made by like people at the dice tower some some type of larger panel i haven't paid attention um, to the dice tower i don't, they, I don't know anything do about them 100 every year that is like voted on and then the geek golden geek is just vote on the the newest hotness and that's gonna win 
<laughs> so yep but anyway that's my number one is the spiel des Jahres games most desirable play of 2021 yeah <laughs> i was <laughs> i was slightly disappointed i guess they're not as cool as i thought but they're cool they're cool games yeah just in general well, let's uh, let's give the innkeepers table folks a, just an opportunity, to, uh, maybe a game or a couple of games that you're looking forward to playing uh, at Salcon this year. So uh, I, I have two that I'll, I'll talk about. One of them is is kind of a cheat, but that's okay because Risto's set the precedent for is it me. Five games. It, it's way more than five <laughs> games. <laughs> it's it's every unlock ever. <laughs> you got it. That's it. Oh my god. That's really what it is. So here's. <laughs> The thing that I've noticed with a lot of the, these uh, escape room style games is that, like, especially the ones that are replayable, when you play it, the, the secondhand market gets flooded with these games because people play it and then they try and trade them or sell them or whatever. And I don't, I, I really don't want to like buy a bunch of these games and then have to try and offload them to somebody else. So I can't take credit for this idea. It was one of my friends, but one of my friends uh, a couple of years ago at SaltCon was just like, every year, let's just play all the unlocks. At, from the SaltCon library because they have them all. We can play them, put them back. We don't have to try and resell them or trade them or whatever. So that's something that that I'm looking forward to doing is playing some of the ones that I haven't gotten to the table yet. Um, I <clears throat> I have seen some of them in the game swap, like the the place where you can go buy used games. Um, I'm only going to buy them from the used games though if I can find a copy that doesn't actually belong to the seller. So Christo, if you have any, <laughs> let, let, <laughs> I, I hear Christo's got some that are missing pieces too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Um, but then the other one that uh, I was looking forward to, but I actually just played it before we came here, is um, the Search for Planet X which is a logic deduction game um, from Renegade Games. And the kind of the, the theme is, you know, th there are these objects in the sky. You've got like comets and asteroids and dwarf planets and in different sectors of the night sky. And there are certain rules set up around them. Uh, and you're trying to figure out where they all are. Specifically, there's a missing planet X that if you search the night sky, it looks like there's nothing there, but secretly it's actually there. But you can find it through these rules, right? So like one rule is, you know, if you find a sector that has a dwarf planet, you know that planet X is not in one of the two adjacent sectors to that sector. Um, I say adjacent, so it's all in a big circle and, you know, it's divided up like a pizza and wedges and each slice of the pizza is a sector of the sky, right? Anyway, so you go through and scan different parts of the sky and get clues about where, where different celestial bodies are. And, you know, you can submit theories like, oh, I think an asteroid is in sector two or whatever. And you score points for the correct theories that you submit at the end of the game. And you also score points for finding planet X. It was really fun. I liked it a lot. I was going to say, we actually recently talked about it because I played it and uh, the word pizza just never came to my, <laughs> to my mind when looking at the board for some reason, but that's a pretty good description for what it is. It's uh, kind of like a pizza board. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so what about you, Bill? Do you have is any the, games that you're particularly looking forward to? Is Planet X a pizza planet? Can, oh. you, can, you, guys, can you guys tell me? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just having trouble focusing now because I'm hungry and I'm just y'all keep talking about pizza. So <laughs> I bet your game's going to be about pizza or food. <laughs> Actually, if, if we're allowed to, you know, cheat and list an entire series, then I mean, <laughs> 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 no, um, uh, I already mentioned a couple of games that I was already interested in is the crew and uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. But I'm also I've been a big fan of Gamelin games and the Tiny Epic series for a while, but I realized I've only played like two or three games of the series and I own all of them. And so I've mentioned I'm a game hoarder. So um, I actually kind of want to go through and cruise through and get a bunch of those played to get some 
experience um, in that. So, which two have you played? Actually, I'm curious. Um, Quest and Defenders. Cool. I actually liked Galaxies or whatever. I, I think. keep hearing amazing things. About uh, I think that's the only one I liked uh, really a lot. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a super mm-hmm. huge fan of them, but uh, I thought that was the probably the coolest one of the series, to be honest. I haven't tried like Western though, and there you have a Mechs one that's fairly recent. I haven't tried that one. I actually haven't tried a bunch of them, so I guess maybe I should try a few more. But I tried like Quests, I think, and the Western one with the poker game. Uh yeah. Anyway, they're 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 tiny. They're I don't know if they're epic. They're they're pretty tiny games. But so, my yeah. problem with so I, I they're they're not bad games. But my problem with them is psychological. I look at that box size and I am at, automatically assume <laughs> that the game is going to be like 15, 20 minutes, How like a filler it be game. A good game at that size. Of you, box? you know, and then you open it up and it's like, no, this is like a legit full size game that lasts you know an hour to an hour and a half, whatever. And it's just that incongruity of the size of the box and the size of the actual gameplay experience just messes with my brain. The way they do it is they cram really tiny components, like in quests, uh, quests, tiny epic quest. They had like swords that you put in the meeple's hands and they're like ridiculously tiny. You have to like really, anyway, tiny components. That's, that's the secret, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder I, if when they're I... designing these, if they have like a full size prototype and then they just like <laughs> shrink everything. Well, the funny thing is one of my favorite games period is uh heroes of land, air and sea, which is also by Scott Ums. It's, it's uh, basically take tiny Epic games and remove the tiny. And it's huge. It's enormous, like three giant boxes. And, uh, and so it's just, I feel like I kind of get a more full experience of Scott Alms as a designer in that game. <laughs> is it Heroes of Land, Earth, and Sea? Is that what it's called? Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. So Land, Air, and Sea. There's Sorry, a game yeah. called Land, Air, and Sea, and then there's their game called Heroes of Land, Air, yeah, and Sea. Completely I, I think, unrelated. I think it's the same game that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Uh, a, a friend of our, ours played it, mm-hmm. so I kind of saw it being played also at ConsultCon. It was popular a couple of years ago, but I haven't played it myself. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like an area control game, I think, from what I remember. Yeah, it's a dudes on a map 4X where you're going exploring, building up armies, basically sort of like an RTS, but in a board game format. Cool. Well, we really appreciate uh, you joining us from uh, the innkeeper's table, uh, Dylan and and Bill. Nice to have you on the show. Yep, thanks. And um, I think that's going to be it because, yeah, we've been going for a while and there's people about to come in, I think, soon-ish. I so, think we just set a record for our shortest episode ever. Yep, for sure. When you have to, you have to make it short. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Carnes and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com, or visit our website, www.cardsandcubes.com. We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E, 
We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening. And we will return in a couple of weeks.